Welcome. Thank you for hanging out with us. This is the one and only IT and the D show broadcasting from our homes and from our uh, play office room, skateboard half pipe. I am your host, Bob Waltenspiel, hanging out with producer Randy Walker. Guest this week, man of many trades and talents, VP of operations for Blue Mira, Patrick Garrity, former TikToker, current skateboarder, uh, crypto fanatic, uh, Stop doing technology this summer. We'll talk about a, we got a hundred things we need to talk about, but you can find us online at itnd.com. Do us a favor, give us a like on the socials and subscribe to us everywhere. Fine podcasts are sold. So there's two things. I know Patrick, you said you didn't watch these shows, but I need to dive into these real quick. A, I want to start off with He-Man, my the one of the most anticipated things I've been looking forward to all summer. And Randy, I don't know about you. But I'm uh, I'm kind of with the internet, and I am angry with with how they portray how they brand He Man. I'm not angry. I'm just not super impressed with this version so far. But we only have five episodes, so hopefully it picks up a little more. So I mean, spoiler alert. Fast forward for two minutes if, if you haven't seen it yet and you want to. So let me get let me get this straight. He Man and Skeletor die, like in the first episode. You follow around Tila and her uh, new friend for the entire episode, and then. Skeletor was sitting in Evelyn's little staff the whole time, and Prince Adam comes back. We don't know why, and then he dies at the end, and then Skeletor has the power and has the power of Grayskull. And the end. Cut print. And I guess Kevin Smith is getting absolutely destroyed on the Twitters, and he's actually answering back um, because people are super angry that the the you know it's not not my He Man. They're getting they're getting nostalgic. And to be honest, I'm not really that angry. It just honest, I'll be honest, it lost my attention. I was fading in and out after a while. Um, last episode five was kind of awesome with the whole Skeletor thing. I liked the twist, but it just uh, not having He-Man and He-Man was kind of not He-Man. Yeah, I I think that is more the thing to be angry about. You know, the I don't know if I would call it bait and switch, but not having He-Man in a show called He-Man is a, or about He-Man is a little bit rough. Well, the trailer. I guess they're just calling it Masters of the Universe and not He-Man, yeah. but. The trailer was like all He-Man, but that was only from episode one. And then anyway, I need to – I'm going to not rant because I'm, I'm appreciative that they're putting out new content of things that I like. So I'm just going to try to do what I say and act like a child and like it. Um, the I don't thing, like that they keep like interrupting when they're about to reveal that Tila is the sorceress's daughter. Uh, it just keeps cutting off. They're like – yeah. I have something important to tell you, but first, and then they never get to the important bit. So I was watching a uh, a guy that was ranting about it on YouTube, and he did a side by side of Tila and Dolph Lundgren in the movie He Man, and like how they're how they're ripped the same size. He goes, they it's like they took Dolph Lundgren, they put Tila's head on her body on his body, and uh, when you look at Tila, like she's like bodybuilder ripped, whatever, fine. But like they were saying, like she's bigger than Dolph Lundgren, which is kind of you know. But anyway, I digress. Um, have you been watching Sexy Beasts on Netflix? No. I, no. Absolutely not. I saw, Patrick, I know you said you didn't. I saw the trailer, and I was forced. I watched five minutes of it, and I couldn't stop it fast enough. It was basically they would take people on date. It was a dating show, but they would put it, you in, like, ridiculous-looking prosthetics, like masks and suits, and they would have a date. So – Answer me a question, Patrick. If you have like a show where they're like making you dress up, you and let's say there's eight people, you'd expect four of them to be smoke shows and four of them to look like like Rocky Dennis, right? If you don't know who Rocky Dennis is, Google it. But like four of them to be complete, <laughs> like 
No, but like four of them to be trolls that have like really nice personalities and then four of them to be smoke shows. And then it's like a dating show, but then they reveal themselves and they still like them anyway. But no, all eight of them, like very good looking people. It's like defeats the whole And they all were like actors. And you looked at their, I had to Google it. Like, I'm like, I'm fast forwarding to the end. And everyone's like, oh, it's a comedian and an actress or an actor and a model and a, you know, and it's like totally defeats the purpose of having like a, a trash dating show and not throwing a curveball in it. Totally. <laughs> so, anyway, well, so you reality television then? It's re- it, no, it's scripted. You can't call that reality. You know, it's one of those. Um, I know you said you've been watching the Olympics. I know there's been a couple weird sports. Uh, three on three basketball kind of threw me a loop. You get yeah. rid of baseball, yet you introduce three on three basketball, which and you have regular basketball makes no sense to me. Um, you enjoying it or what's going on? I I've been just watching the skateboarding. Uh, ah. that was great. They had street skating this weekend, uh, and it was fun to watch. Although the U.S. has not performed very well so far, uh, uh, it's been dominated by by other countries. I think uh, mostly Japan. So they have like an Olympic because I know like for like girls soccer, there's like an Olympic development thing and they invite all these girls to camps all the time. Is it like skateboarding? Where do they do they just pull from X Games or like where do they pull from? Oh, I mean, skateboarding has become so much more popular that like the, the, the great thing about skateboarding is it's not a team sport. So you can literally do it anywhere. Uh, and so you literally you have a ton of kids watching youtube videos learning how to skate but there's certainly like a set of elite coach coach uh coaches people like professional skaters that are helping other people learn to skate better and do new tricks and push the limits so it's pretty become extremely popular uh which is good and i think the other thing is is like you see a lot more diversity in the sport where historically it's been a, a male dominated sport uh, so that's kind of exciting to see the the women getting to skate uh, and really getting to a whole new level of skateboarding. And, I, and I, next week, my favorite event is the park. And my favorite skater is Sky Brown. Uh, it's going to be cool to watch her skate, uh, for instance, which is pretty sweet. I just saw a meme. I think someone was saying like when she was fourteen, Tony Hawk was giving her tips, and now she's going to be in the Olympics or something like that. I thought it was, it was, it was a cool meme. I, I saw it real quick. But it yeah. was uh, someone, you know, kind of highlighting that, like, hey, that little kid you helped might be in the Olympics in five, six years, you know? Yeah. I mean, most of the pro skateboarders in the Olympics are like 13 or 14 years oh old. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's, it's just wild how much more progressive they are. There are some older, older, older people, too. I think, like, Rune Glyphen, Glyphen, Glyphenberg, Glyphenberg is, um, he's got to be in like his 40s, probably. Okay. Uh, which is pretty wild. But I know, uh, I've been, uh, part of a marksman club where we shoot air 177 air rifles and uh, i always loved the biathlon in the winter so they had the air rifle and the kid that one was like 20 and i'm like you know they're well, raised they their archery right do they have yeah. gun, gun, oh they it, well, is there any guns in the summer olympics yeah yeah it was mixed it was uh air rifle oh air rifle okay cool yeah just the 17 the archery i saw was like mixed doubles which was kind of bizarre um <laughs> do they shoot like synchronous <laughs> No, no, no. They alternate like like Bago, like the cornhole championships. It's like the guy goes, then the girl goes, you know. But it was, uh, I think, South Korea won, which is like the, which you wouldn't. They beat out the Netherlands, which you know, <laughs> which you'd think Netherlands would be, you know, more archery prominent than South Korea. But uh, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, you don't uh, take anyone for granted these days, anyway. Um, you know what? I'm gonna. I was gonna go into tech, but I need to talk about this because this is. This is your bombshell. I don't know how many people you've told. 
But so we started talking a while ago, and you built up quite the following on TikTok. And you were like a little bit of skateboarding, a little bit of uh, going to Marvin's Marvelous. And you were just kind of having a good time and you were putting out cool videos. Yeah. And you, you got, you're like, Bob, I went viral. And I'm like, what does that mean? You got like 10 followers? He's like, you got up to what, 700,000? Yeah, we we're over 700,000 followers in under two months. <laughs> uh, and it was kind of crazy. I mean, like, I'll be honest, like, it was a production. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, we were just having a good time going to Marvin's and then producing a bunch of other crazy content as a, as like places I would normally go anyway. Right. I like novelty and amusement. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, then it all came to a crashing end. <laughs> so you wake up one morning, you have an email or your account's gone. Oh, they don't, yeah. Like, so very, let's be very clear. There's no explanation from TikTok or anything. Um, uh, and they're very secretive. We actually talked to some employees and they told us they cannot talk about TikTok bans at all. Um, uh, so like they haven't responded to a single appeal email. They haven't responded to anything. And they just told us um, we had multiple content violations that we've appealed. Um, and, and it's kind of funny, the content violations. What is a content violation like? Uh, uh, so like, Burt Reynolds Centerfold is part of a game uh, from Cosmopolitan to Magazine of him sitting, you know, kind of bare with his arm between his legs. Yeah, yeah. From the 70s, right? And so we, po we posted that because it's a game and we thought it was funny and that was a content violation. Um, and then there was a few content violations for like, I pretend got my hand chopped off at Marvin's and there was fake blood. Right. Uh, and th they said that was that was not appropriate for the platform, I think. Um, and then there was another game at Marvin's um, that we showed. And it's like this stuff is like publicly accessible. Oh, the, actually, the biggest one that we think might have caused controversy is we we shot some museum footage. Right. So we went to the Henry Ford and shot the Lincoln share that Lincoln got shot in and the, the JFK mobile. And I didn't realize how controversial these things were. But like. Then we found there's at the DIA, they brought out Yoko Ono build this interpretation. It's bronze casted of Lennon's shot uh, shirt that he got shot in. And it's incredible. They just brought it out in the last year. It's like never been brought Jeez. out. Nobody knows about it. We just happened to come across it when we were at the DIA and we took a photo. What about it? And then we post on TikTok and we had like in under five days, 10 million views. It was insane. Wow. Um, and then, and then like, we, so we were average about 10, 10 million views a week and from our content, which is crazy. Uh, but we think there was so much controversy and so, so many people fighting over uh, whether John Lennon was an awful person or how great his music is that it kind of snowballed. And I think that might've been the, one of the nails in the coffin um, for, for, uh, TikTok taking on our channel, but all the content we post on Instagram and YouTube and other channels. So we're like, this sucks. We don't get it. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate, right? So I have a weird theory and it's going to be a weird tie-in, but I got banned from Call of Duty Warzone. And uh, when I was, uh, when I was cropped up with my knee and COVID, we didn't have anything to do. So me and my buddies would play all, literally almost every night. My wife, I think, wanted to murder me literally and figuratively. Um, but we got, you know, we played Call of Duty tonight. Well, you could yell at the people after the game. So I would say trash, garbage, your mom, and, you know, all the typical jokes. 
And uh, all of a sudden I wake up, I get banned and I'm like, I don't have any cheat codes. I'm on damn Xbox and they will not give you an explanation. But what I thought was we were such, we played like such idiots that so many people reported us that they don't even bother that they just said, all right, top 10% of the report people get reported. You're just, we're just cutting. So I'm just wondering if you got reported so many times that they just finally just said done. Yeah, it's possible. It's just a little bit upsetting when like we actually had an income stream coming from it. And I actually hired my cousin full time uh, to run the channel. Um, Well, I was telling you, I was telling you offline, like that's almost like winning the lottery. Yeah. Like buy that kind of. I didn't realize until the last, like we did a live stream on Marvin's. We, we promoted it 48 hours in advance with two videos and we're just like, Hey, come out and play with us. It'll be fun. Uh, let's see who, and it was kind of an experiment to see like how much influence we actually had And like probably 15 or 20 people showed up, which we were kind of even surprised. Cause like, no, we're nobodies that just started this. Right. And people drove all the way from like Cleveland, three Ohio, like three hours to come and see us. And they, they got a hotel and like they staked out Marvin's and we're just like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> uh, and then the, the next day the counts deleted when we go to log in. Wow. Like, so like. I uh, I downloaded TikTok for you, but then I talked about it with my friend and he was telling me that his uh, ex-girlfriend from like 12, 15 years ago, and he ended up staying friends with her and she ended up getting uh, married and had a couple kids. And the husband was like a digital marketer or something. And they started a TikTok channel and had like up to, there are over 4 million followers right now. And their videos get like a million and a half views each one. Yep. And you look at it, it's just the dad goofing with the baby. <laughs> And it's just, it's like, it's, it's cut. And it's like, it's the typical TikTok. You know what I mean? Where like, you know, seven cuts, you know what I mean? In and out. And, and I'm looking at this going like, and all of a sudden now there's other videos of like people watching like reaction videos to their videos yeah. and like people glomming on their name. Like, and I'm look I'm just looking, I like some things I understand, some things I don't. And that I just simply don't. I've heard about the, like the wormhole watching the videos i can watch like three or four and i'm done but i've heard people like sit there for hours watching these videos yeah i mean it's pretty wild yeah 25 of our followers were in indonesia or philippines uh and like so it's so interesting to interact with like in the morning i'd hop on live streams and start to talk and, and chat with these people right what was the attraction do you know uh i don't know i think like our our content took off in certain areas of the world really fast and so i think like it followers just followed so we we we're like constantly being bombarded from uh people throughout the world um and it was fun with interaction we couldn't even keep up we'd get like twenty thousand comments on a a post after, after like a week on some of the viral ones so it's like you can't even interact with all the um questions people have or the things they say uh, so it's pretty wild, but it's kind of a relief in some regard because it was a lot of work. Uh, well, the pressure, uh, the pressure to put out content had to be astronomical. Yeah, it was a little bit disappointment because, like, we actually just just went to Erebus Haunted House to cut content. Like out of season, they did a private walkthrough that we were going to promote, and I was like, "I'm so sorry." Like two days ago, our channel got canceled. And I don't know if we're going to get it back. Um, but that was, it's pretty sweet. Like anywhere we wanted to go, people would let us in for the free promotion. What if Um, you, can you start over? 
we we spun up a new channel a week and a half ago and it's pretty evident that they're blocking us still because we only have 85 followers after a week. Uh, it's right. a live stream till you get a thousand. So it's like, I think we're from the devices we have shadow banned. So like we could try and get new device, but it's just like, I'm not really up for going to that extent to try and figure this out. I was going to say, I follow a lot of content creators on TikTok that end up with weird bands and create secondary or even tertiary accounts just to deal with that, create yeah. content while their main account is banned or blocked. And But it's like, I got a full-time yeah. job, right? So it's right. like, and I want to skateboard and I have other hobbies. So I kind of was just like, screw, screw it. Like you kind of, you kind of ruin the fun of it. Right. I mean, that seems weird to me, at least like on YouTube, you can appeal. I think Facebook, they just put you in jail, you know, um, or at least be specific saying this, you know, this content violates our thing. We're going to remove this one. But like to remove the whole, it seems lazy on their part as a, as a platform. I'm just throwing Yeah, I think a lot of it's AI driven, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because that people that get reported, yeah. Yeah, because how quick this stuff happened, like even on the live stream, they dropped us in the middle of a live stream. The second I scanned over to something that that I think like, oh, also the Cardiff Giant, which is a fake mummy uh, uh, in Marvin's like it's not even real got us got, got a violation. And so it's just like, I, I don't know how to produce content for this platform anymore. And you guys want to censor it um so yeah they're um, very ambiguous on why they censor block content yeah, i think if they were more transparent and open about it people wouldn't have as many problems with it yeah the, like, the hey, content, you you did this so we did this i read cetera, all but, the terms and yeah. they, they're so vague that you it's like well i don't know what's okay on this platform you have a girl in a you know and and nothing dancing over here and then i post a joking picture of burt reynolds from the 70s yeah uh, and that's not acceptable. So it's like, I don't, I, I couldn't really understand. And we weren't really, we weren't doing anything provocative. This is all like stuff in public museums and public arcades. Do you think uh, any of the alternative platforms like Clamor or Byte have any real chance of catching up or overtaking TikTok? I have no idea. I haven't checked those out. Uh, I'm old school. I just, I just went on TikTok because my kids were like, dad, you should get a TikTok account. You'd be really good at it. And then it like I, I did it for like a month and I get I was like, this is dumb. And then I went on and I posted one video and it went viral. And then I was like, oh, I get it now. And I just posted it all the same. <laughs> yeah, I think there are at least three of them. I have Byte and Clapper installed, but I don't know about uh I don't know. Byte was created by the people who made Vine originally. Did you say cl- uh Clapper? No, yeah. Crapper. That was my idea. I have, I actually have a, like, I had an idea for a platform competitive to TikTok, which I'm kind of like, maybe I should go run at this. Uh, it's called um, uh, Flicker Flop. Uh, so you remember, like, Hot or Not? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so basically, like, you swipe to the left if it's a flick, swipe to the right if it's a flop. So you actually, like, give it negative rating, right? Which, like, every platform is hesitant to do. Um, but I think this would be cool from, like, a vi- video content perspective to, like, it's a, either a flick or it's a flop. Um, uh, it's kind of the content. Yeah, uh, there's Dub Smash, which was kind of the original t- TikTok alternative, which is more, I mean, was based around the singing music opportunity like TikTok initially started. There's Triller, you know. There's you know, lots so of long, other So a long time ago, Patrick, I bought 
Um, you know how all the apps were using like the minusing the last vowel. So I bought Crapper, was which was C R A P P R dot co, and I was gonna and I was gonna start a Yelp for public bathrooms. So I, I thought it would it needed a, there was a service that needed because if you're on like a road trip and you gotta you gotta hit it, yeah. like or if you're you in know. a major city, uh, mm-hmm. like when I, you lived in London, like there was places that charged you and places that didn't. Right, so you can leave a review, and everyone loves leaving bad reviews. So, like, why not in a you know public place? So, a public restroom. So, I guess let's uh, let's dive in. We're a couple weeks late, but what was your uh, what was your take on the whole Kaseya thing? You know, I'm not. So, here's what I would say: is like learning a little bit. I think number one is you know always always talking about companies that are in the space that understand it pretty well. I would say I don't, I'm not an expert on Kaseya and I don't have a lot of experience with it. Right. Um, and that was one thing is uh, there's a company called Huntress, uh, which you mm-hmm. probably heard of. Uh, they, they are experts in the space in the area. Um, and I think the reality is, is if you look at Kaseya in general and these RMM tools, right. So I'm going to speak with my best ability, but like, I would say if anybody wants some real technical detail, right. And things to do mitigation wise, like, Huntress has some great content and blog posts out there you should check out. But yeah, the reality is, is what we're experiencing is really old software that continues to be used and leveraged over a period of time on old code bases that is going to continue to be vulnerable. SolarWinds the same. And so I think a combination of it's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of wild and crazy if you think about it, because many different managed service providers are using these tools. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong. They they fit in a you know, purpose, but the reality is, is they're not built on secure code from a foundational perspective. So what happens? People find vulnerabilities. Um, and then I also think it's crazy, like everyone talking about like Kaseya's making people sign, is it Kaseo that's making them sign NDAs to get the encryption key yep. stuff? Like yep. that is not ways to build trust with your, your you, customers. They made the internet go crazy on that one. I've That's all I read all pretty much all day today. Yeah. So I, I would say, I think like we, you know, at, at our company, I'd say like we followed lead on Huntress in regards to Kaseya and understanding a little bit more from them. Uh, and I think it's always like, like they've, they've worked with Kaseya for a really long time in the managed service provider space. Um, and so really, really good stuff. I think the thing we've been focused a lot on it uh, are the recent uh, exchange vulnerability, and then the SAM SAM vulnerability, I think, last week. It, you can't go a, a, a week or two without a major vulnerability in software nowadays. <laughs> and it's just wild, right? Uh, it's, it's amazing that anybody even can keep up with it. Um, but yeah, m- more or less for us, you know, at Blumira, it's making sure that we understand what's going on, the common techniques and tactics, and then how to apply best practices to mitigate and detect early um are, are really some of the keys there well the, the key difference between like a couple of years ago and this year is everybody that bought cyber insurance um now they need to check a box because it's getting really expensive <laughs> um so and a lot of people really you know you're looking at some you know old machine shops and old businesses that haven't done this ever they had a firewall thought they were secure Right. And now you're making them give check boxes because they got hit with ransomware and they bought insurance. Yep. Um, and now they're stuck in this conundrum going, how much, you know, because that I always talked about security being like, okay, it's kind of like your house, right? You can lock your front windows or your front door. 
You can use Storm. Uh, um, I, I never knew your color of your hair, by the way. I think it's the first time oh, I've it, ever. <laughs> I dyed it blonde because I I shot a music video as Eminem called Band. Oh, right on, right on. But I actually, the, the funny thing is I shot that video before we actually got banned. So maybe right. that's the only reason we got banned. Yeah. Uh, anyway, going back to my stupid house analogy, but like you can buy a dog, you can buy a gun, you can buy storm windows, you know, you can build a safe room. Like how far do you go? And that's, I think that's the, again, the million dollar question for most of these companies is, yeah, how far do I go? What, do, you know, how much crap do I need? I think too, people buy a lot of the wrong products that don't even do anything. And so I think like a lot of times they make investments that aren't necessarily in the best interest of security. Like there's definitely some, like, yes, you should, you should uh, have two factor. You should have some detection capabilities in place, detection response. You probably should do some vulnerability scanning. You should have something on your endpoint. Um, that's kind of like my, my like go-to four where it's like, if you're doing anything, those four are pretty, pretty good. Well, I, I just, we just came across a client that they don't have a SIM, but they have a SIM just for their endpoint looking at a product that's already covering their endpoint. So yeah. I'm like, well, why did you guys buy this? And, and like, well, they told us we needed to. Yeah. And I think you know. a lot of it is, is it's mark It's often marketing driven or it's often like, yeah, let's buy this for, from a sales perspective. And what, what I would say is like most people aren't doing the basics um, is the challenge. And they also don't have the time or resources or expertise to get the basics in place. Um, so I think there's a combination of like, you know, tool tool sets like Blue Mirror that help get detection response in place very fast. But also the aspect of, you know, managed service providers also being able to service these customers at scale um, is my opinion as far as like, how, how to address the massive gap from a security perspective. And it's not only like you said manufacturing in these older places, it's also cities and counties and higher education and education and tech companies and security. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of people are missing um, doing some of the fundamental stuff as it well, the, the hard part was like, you bring up education. The hard part always was oh, that healthcare. Ah, well, healthcare has got the funding. My, my point was I used to sell to a lot of K-12 when I was at HP and they would get this E-rate money and it'd be an influx of money and they could buy a bunch of shit and then you couldn't talk to them for three years, yep. right? But what, what, what happened with like maintenance contracts and add-ons and subscriptions and things like that is they just couldn't buy it. They would just buy a bunch of hardware, plug it in and it'd be done. Well, in security, that doesn't work. No, and I think that's their problem today. Is that you know they have no. What do they do for remediation? What do they do to to constantly monitor? You know, and I'm not saying 24 seven sock because not everybody can afford that, but just something to alert them when something's going bad. Oh, absolutely. It's it's fundamentally it's like if you don't have any way to detect something that gets into your environment, prevention is great, but like you don't have a fighting chance. And I find a lot of people do often make decisions to not do anything and like, oh, I'll just go buy cyber insurance. And then they get owned and they don't realize like the implications of the business and actual cost um, that happens, you know, in regards to like ransomware shutting down their business, um, data exfiltration happening. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of uh, incident breach that, you know, if you're a tech company, for instance, that can have pretty big implications. So answer answer a question for me because I was at a client site 
and their whole business revolves around getting documents sent to them via PDF documents getting sent to them via links. Yep. And I'm sitting there talking about best security practices and I'm like, don't open shit. Don't click shit. Like go to the vendor that it came from and then open it from there. And they go, we can't because it's not how they send us stuff. Yep. And I'm sitting there going, I had no answer. Like I'm, you know, I usually don't pretend to be the, the expert and I go, I don't know what to tell you. And, and, and so what, I guess what I, I'm dying to know what your answer would be for something like that. Well, I think a few things, which is like humans are like, they're never going to be perfect and they're going to never, they're going to do what makes their job easiest. Right. They're going to try and do the right thing from a security perspective for the business, but they're not always going to do the right thing. Uh, and so you just have to assume like the human factor is actually your biggest threat vector. Um, sure. Uh, you know, and they have good intentions, but time and time again, pen testers, I talk to them all the time. They, they call up people and just socially manipulate them. And that's how they get access to systems. And then from there, they try and do other techniques and tactics to do whatever they want from an attack perspective. And so that's where it's like, well, yeah, that's why you need to monitor for, for things that aren't normal, um, you know, within your environment. And when there is an anomaly that's different or there's a certain pattern that indicates uh, uh, a compromise, right? that's where it comes into play that you should, you should have a system that alerts you on that stuff. So you can go investigate or that, that takes action for you. Sure. Um, are, are some of the critical things I think like there, there are, don't get me wrong. Like you could, you could do, um, uh, you know, probably in those instances, if they are downloading a bunch of random links all the time, like, uh, isolated host, uh, a VM, right. That just like blows itself away after they leverage and use it, making sure they have limited credential access, that sort of stuff. If they break it, they don't break much or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good approach if you know there's an inherent risk is what I would say there. Right, right. So I know you mentioned uh, offline some summer threats. Is it uh, is tis the season? I think it's always the season, right? I didn't know. I didn't realize yeah. security was seasonal. Um, we've, I mean, we've spent a lot more time, uh, you know, even getting involved on like Reddit strings, for instance, um, Microsoft, right. It's just been kind of wild. The amount of vulnerabilities that we've seen over the past couple months with the exchange vulnerability, um, that was in the springtime. Uh, we, we recently had the, uh, the, I think there was, uh, what was the ex- exploit in, late june uh early july that came out and then there was another one today um sam account name but even the one in june and i'm spacing on oh the prince booler Um, oh yeah yeah yeah, it's like oh god what's the right thing to do like it's like (laughs) oh just disable the prince booler and it's really easy to say that but the reality is is like oh well there's other services people build that are relying on the prince booler um and then looking at your attack surface like well, limit your attack service. So maybe turn this print spooler off anything web facing, for instance, right? And so you start looking at these different potential areas and threat vectors of like, all right, what's the impact externally? And then what's the impact internally? And what can you do to take action to mitigate this? Well, yeah. this off tries to write a patch, right? Well, that's all. That's what they can do. But I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, you know, I got to tip my hat to them. Uh, Windows Defender used to be laughable, what three, four years ago, yeah. and now it's actually a viable tool to keep on your 
your bat belt when you're uh, doing the security practice building. Yeah, practice. Defender's great. Sysmon is great. Uh, mm-hmm. Sys internal tools. If you if you're monitoring, it doesn't really do much if you don't have a monitoring solution in place. Right. Uh, collecting logs. Right. Um, and then the you have the Defender products uh, across the board as well, which are incredibly valuable. So Microsoft's definitely up their game in that in that in that area. Well, because they made now they're uh, they can sell their uh, software via subscription instead of being pirated. So now they're making money actually, so they can put out cool tools. Go figure how that works. You know what I mean? No, they're making a lot of money. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. You know, and you thought you know I got to give credit where credits due. You, th- I didn't think they were going to be a sinking ship, but I didn't think they were going to be what they've become. And yeah. uh, they've completely between Azure and O three sixty five. It's kind of just you know whoever made that call. I think the new CEO or whatever you know just done leaps and bounds for uh, that company. Yeah, Nadia. And then the, the security side was the Adelon guys, I think, took over that, uh, a lot of that security practice and built out what's there now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've gone on to, to start their next company, which is pretty wild. Right. Um, uh, with billions of dollars of valuations before customers. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, I'm excited for them. Um, uh, it's cool to see the just innovation in the security space as well. I just think it was crazy to see the sky high valuations from a raise perspective. Oh, I don't even bother with evaluate like emails anymore. They're they're ridiculous. The 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 when we we always argue it's a common theme on our show when like Grubhub got valued more than like all the Chinese restaurants they delivered for combined. It's like we knew something's weird going you know, <laughs> and Uber's valued more than all the cars that they're you know all companies that they drive for. You know, it's all right. What you know, something's something's gonna level out. Um. One of the things I wanted to talk to you on the security side is, uh, you know, I've sold a mix of hardware, software, services, security my whole career. And I always used to kind of talk about there's three ways that you the only way to sell security. And I said, one is someone just got breached. Um, you know, ambulance chasing, we call ambulance, it. Right. You got breached and everyone's calling. Hey, I just saw on the news. Um, salespeople don't do that. Like that's I never technique and tactic, right? No, I mock that people that do that when you like Home Depot got hacked and I'm like, up oh, every rep on the inst- on the East Coast is is cold calling them. Hey, you, um, know, you know what we would do at Duo is we would send them pizzas and just say, like, hey, we know it's a hard time. Yeah. Uh, let us know if you need anything. Yeah, and no, like, that's fair. Because it's like that's we're, it's like we're not asking for your business. If you need help, let us know. Yeah, we're here for. Yeah, uh, no, it's a per, it's a perfect tactic. Yeah, people, people so, don't need you trying to sell them something at that. Yeah. Well, yes, I'd like to stop fixing this problem and buy you your whatever you're offering. What you know, but um, so the one was get you just got hacked. Two was you need to check off a compliance box, and three was based on your level of paranoia. Yep. And I didn't. And I, I say paranoia, it's, you know, or sophistication, right? I, I can use that both ways, like the house analogy, right? Um, what am I, is that kind of the only, because again, you could like, do you ever see the vendor spreadsheet on LinkedIn of like all the crap you can buy from security vendors? It's stupid, yeah. <laughs> literally. So like, how do you make sense of that whole thing? You know, a trusted advisor, like how do you, you know, who, who do you trust? You know, I guess that's the point. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, one and, and hey, people genuinely like I will tell you, we get content marketing is king. So from a from a vendor perspective, what I can tell you is you should build useful content that is actually valuable to people and helps them uh, from a learning perspective. And like we live that not only through our content on the Web, but also in the product where we're teaching people what to do and how to respond. Mm. But um, yeah, I think 
I think the major, you know, the major thing is, yeah, how to navigate, like networking, talking to people you trust. I think that's why a lot of people are going to manage service providers to figure out what to even do because it is so complicated. And it's like, hey, I want someone that's already figured this out. Um, and so you have to go, you, you have to go and have conversations with organizations, people you trust, organizations that are that are recommended, right? Because um, m- more or less, like, it's hard to trust the sales organization. And I tend to like, I build go to market, I try and make sure that our, our sales team and our marketing teams are building trust and credibility. And making sure we're not doing things that that are off-putting to people, uh, but actually genuinely help them. But um, yeah, I, I look at it. It's like, well, you should have some prevention capabilities. You should have some detection capabilities, and then you should have some response capabilities, right? And it's like that's kind of the crux of the security side of things. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, simplify as much as you can, and then you use common frameworks. I mean, there's like people. There's a cybersecurity framework that you can, um, a CIS, right, uh, that you can leverage and use. There's compliance frameworks that are a place to start. Like, you should start by using a security framework to identify gaps and needs and then make decisions on how to buy products once you've done that. That's probably my, my best recommendation um, from an approach perspective. And then talk to peers in the industry and network as much as you can. Uh, would be the ways I would look at it from a vendor pers- or from a customer perspective, organization perspective. No, I like that. Like I said, you know, typically you get, you know, so many reps calling. It's like, who do you answer the phone to? You know what I mean? Now I want to talk to you about this. Like, great. Like you and everybody else wants to talk yeah, to you. I, I think it's funny when people like go on LinkedIn and they're like, don't email me and don't call me anymore. And it's like, well, it still works. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Um, but like, that's where a significant portion of our business comes from. Uh, so, so, so I get, uh, I get people on LinkedIn all the time, hit me up for like, for lead gen services. It seems like I'm on some list or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, thanks for, con- thanks for connecting with me. Can I get a uh, 15 minutes of your time next week? And I'm like, for what? Like I would, why? Like, I would just love for you to Say, you know, I did give me two minutes of homework on my company. That's exactly it. Like that, like that's exactly it is like, hey, even the, the our sales team, right? It's like, hey, if you do research and you reach out and you have genuine, you know, value that we can provide, great. If we can't, that's fine too. But like you can't just blast emails all day long, left and right, and make phone calls with n- n- no understanding of their business. You're wasting their time, right? So I think sure. that's that's one thing like I've always been a big fan of is it's like getting connected through networking, communicating in a value oriented way. Um, but yeah, th- there is a perception of this like buyer versus vendor persona of like, comp- like butting heads sometimes. And I understand why, because a lot of people do sales and marketing really poorly, uh, frankly. And that's unfortunate. I think that's a, been a, a part of the industry for a long time. And I think that's something like we really focused on changing at Duo. We really have brought that to Bluemere as well, um, or, or something that I've brought along on the way, which is just focused on building trust and credibility, uh, which is important. Yeah, it's hard. Like I said, the, I've, I'll answer a few because I've always mentored like my whole career. Like every once a year, or every once every two years, I'll take on um, a, a Padawan. And all of them have done really, really well. And it's kind of cool. But I'm real selective about it. You know what I mean? They got to like, 
I do the same thing. Like if I see a new, like I'll notice and it's a new salesperson, you can kind of tell and their message is really bad. I'll be like, Hey, uh, like this message doesn't make sense. Like send me another one. Uh, right. Right. And, and try and connect with them. Cause it's like, it only helps if we actually coach the salespeople on what to do Sure, as a buyer. So like, I think that's something that's some people need to think about from an approach perspective. Like, yeah, I would love if people gave feedback to the sales team of like, Hey, your emails suck. It would be better if actually you did this. Yeah. Um, uh, and maybe it's not an email mechanism like, Oh, maybe you should be a part of this organization and understand our business more. I mean, people should push back more. Now it's a balance because I think a lot of people just don't want to communicate at all. But I, right. I, I think overall, like, hey, you know, things are going to get better if people do that. Um, well, I mean, if they get, you know, we've helped companies such as yours with their, you know, like, here's my calendar link. You like, you do the work. Like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember like, uh, I remember when uh, I was at sh- um, the company I worked for before, like. Uh, a vendor tried to get in he's like hey i know it's things tough out there here's a like a home-based like games thing and it had like dining room table ping pong and there was like sent me like donuts or something like you know i'm like yeah "Yeah, i'll give you 15 minutes you know what i mean you you want to feed this uh the big old bear yeah i'll uh, i'll i'll take your call but you know again you did your homework you know you know who to talk to where to go um so you talked about uh unplugging this summer now is this a uh temper tantrum for getting banned on tiktok or are you just oh, here yeah, yeah. Just i mean like totally my friends are like what is going on with patrick right now because like no I, define unplugging because that could be uh, like well like I, I i ran some investment discord groups i right. i was doing the tiktok stuff social media in general, I skateboard and hang out with a bunch of friends and we communicate online. And so, and this happened to me in 2017 or 2018, after I moved home from England, I literally got a flip phone for like six months. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But um, yeah, I think it's one of these things where it's like, you know, for me, I go to extremes of like doing all this stuff and like getting super caught up in it and excited and passionate about it. But like, it gets overwhelming to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to cut off. Right. And so um, I think like you have to just unwind. So I literally went in my discord group, which was like a hundred plus people, investors in all these channels. And I just started deleting channels and I deleted it down to one that just said goodbye. Wow. And everyone's like, what's wrong with Patrick? And I'm like, dude, I just need a break from everything. Right. right. Uh, and then I think it's like, you know, removing apps off your app, like almost everything I can other than work related. And then genuinely, only using my phone for work and outside of outside of like smartphone capabilities. And outside of that, I just use my phone for a phone. Um, and what I find is it's like, it's almost like a new birth. Uh, like you get this whole new perspective when you're not connected all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to like, I'm going to go on vacation and we, we rented some jet skis and we have kids and I, I got some, I'm, I, I decided my next stunt is I'm going to be, what I was really meant to be as a street performer. Um, like and, a mime or like the guys that dress up like Spider-Man and take pictures with people. Well, actually like I do <laughs> want to do one of the one, like several, I think I want to do like 20 different things. So like right now I'm focused on learning how to juggle. 
Um, and I learned that I could club juggle a few weeks ago at a, at a Blue Mara party. Um, and I'd never done it before. And so now I'm going to try and learn to do like, you know, five or six clubs in the air. Um, I can do three right now, but they said first, my, my friend's a professional juggler. He does fire and all this stuff. So he's kind of coaching me on how to do these things. But, um, yeah, I went to the Ann Arbor art fair or I'm sorry, the Plymouth art fair. And there was this guy called the plate spinner. And yeah, yeah. I've always, I'm just fascinated with like street performers for my whole life and like novelty, everything and circus and all this cool stuff. Uh, and so genuinely I'm like, and I skateboard, that's kind of like street performing. <laughs> Um, and so I'm like, I think I'm going to try and like learn all these different skills to become this like crazy, like weird, random stuff, street performer just for fun. I go one man band, accordion, symbols between the knees, like the horns in the chin. The, I yeah, I can't, I can't, I'm not musical. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah. And speak of accordion music, do you know who Flogging Molly is? Sure. So I just like I met Matt Hensley um, this past sun, uh, Sunday, I think it was. OK. Week. Uh, and I, I did get some like I got some cool artwork. You should check it out. Uh, this, oh, it's I, not. I, it's hot. I had, him, I had him sign it. Right. That that accordion looks so cool, too. It says Floggy Molly. And then this is Ray Barbie. Um, but probably the cool, coolest thing you mentioned accordion. You got me excited. Is I actually brought a kid's accordion. <laughs> And I had Matt Hensley sign it. Uh, I can't get the video. That's beautiful. Yeah, so it's pretty pretty cool stuff, right? I'm a kid at heart. No, I'm a so I'm a I'm the type of guy that when I see Honky Tonk Man, the wrestler, signing, I went and bought a you know acoustic guitar from Walmart to have him sign it. So like, yeah, I'm totally in that same mindset. Uh, you're so you're into wrestling. Did you know like Jake the Snake was in Plymouth the other day signing? Yeah, yeah, I've met him already half a dozen times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got have a I have a two by four signed by Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I got my basement's full of like I got a baseball bat signed by Sting. Have you heard of this guy in Detroit that has like a, a WWE museum? Yeah, the full house. Have you? Yeah, the that? G- GWC. No, I just saw him on YouTube maybe last week for the first time. That's cool. I want to go there. I don't but know that's where like that's off the chains like stuff i can't even the only thing i have is a uh rick flair robe signed um but it's not worn or anything but like that guy's got stuff like ring worn yeah like macho man won't ring worn like yeah yeah i bought a i bought a macho man slim jim uh action figure it's the only thing that i own that's like it went up to like 200 dollars. so we always bitch my buddies are all into action figures and all their star wars stuff yeah, all their all their Star Wars stuff never went up. He goes, "Why do I always buy the wrong ones?" And then here I am. I got this Macho Man. I go, "My Macho Man's selling for two twenty on eBay now." He's like, "Oh my, you know." Yeah, but uh, yeah, we got we got big into that. No, I love. Uh, yeah, next week actually we have a uh, Tommy Onyx on from Charm Farm on the show. Uh, cool. Yeah, he's in. A, he does di- a bunch of digital stuff now. So we're gonna have a good music. Uh, I'll uh, I'll send you the link when we're done with that one. Sweet, I look forward to that. Yeah, so. You, we talked a while ago, a few weeks ago, I think, and you were talking about how you started your own crypto. And I go for like five minutes, you were worth like eight hundred billion dollars. What a talk to me through what the hell you did because it's a I love the story. Yeah, this is kind of funny. And actually, I, I discovered a bug in Coinbase's app, um, and it's not like it wasn't like a vulnerability or anything, uh, but it was. Well, I could see some ways you could potentially exploit it. 
Um, but yeah, essentially like I had this, it's called dollar save club and it was a discord group of friends that I brought together and I'm like, I'm going to mint my own currency. Right. Uh, so I created the dollar save coin. So I wrote a smart contract on Ethereum and, oh, it was like super expensive. It was like a thousand dollars at the time. Like everything is so expensive. So it was like a thousand dollars to like issue this smart contract thing. I don't even like, I can't even believe I did it, but anybody can really do it. The tools are there if you look hard enough. And I issued like 20, I don't, maybe it was like a hundred billion or 21 billion. I think it's 21 billion. I told my friends, I was like, hey, I'm going to make you all billionaires. <laughs> and I send them all a billion tokens. Like so instantly everyone's a billionaire, right? Um, uh, but yeah, it's called the DSC token. But the thing is, is like Coinbase, their app, their their Coinbase wallet, they actually put the price of tokens and they didn't validate the smart contract. They just used the symbol. And when you write a smart contract, I can create any symbol I want. I can create a smart contract of ETH, ETH. Can you really? Uh, yeah. Now, now, that actually isn't the same token. The only thing that makes a token unique is the actual contract. Uh, of so how many thousands of bit BTCs are there out there? I would think if you could oh, do that. I, I, I don't know. But like on Ethereum, yeah, you could create a BTC token. I assume there's a ton. Same with ETH. Now, yeah. That's why, like, if you're not on a known exchange, you need to validate contract addresses to make sure you're actually buying the right token. Jeez. Tons of opportunity for scam. But, yeah, when I basically, uh, I opened my Coinbase wallet, and I, I minted a billion of these tokens, and DSC was already listed as a token. Now it was a different asset, right, and a different contract. But it's, it literally, since I had a billion of them, um, and it said DSC was currently at, like, 41, or no, 41 cents. So it said I had $420 million and I was just like, oh, great. So this isn't right. But basically I opened a bug and they're like, oh yeah, we already found that bug. We're going to fix it at some point. You didn't hit withdrawal. I would have hit with ball. I would have flown to the Caymans as fast as you could blink. I, yeah. I was like, I, I was like, how do I sound? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it does show like it demonstrates the opportunity for scams are increasingly high. Um, at the same time, like, I think you just got to be wise and like the average person person should stay on platforms like Coinbase for a reason um, right. because they vetted this stuff and make sure they have the right contracts and, and, and whatnot. So did yeah, you buy, have you bought any trash coins? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I bought, I mean, I have some doge now even. Um, so I got, so this is my thing was my daughter told me to buy doge when it was like three cents. Did you listen and I to go, and I didn't listen to her and I, you know, and I'm like, see, here's the thing. The most I would spend on something like that is a thousand bucks. I would never, cause I, that to me, that's like hey, Vegas. At the peak that was, if you bought at the, the low and then the peak, it would have been worth like $500,000. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I bought a, I bought uh what, what the hell did I buy? Safe moon at like 0. 0.00, like five zeros and two. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's five zeros and three. So it's up like a, a dollar. Oh, um, man. But I have like I have two hundred and I think I have three hundred million coins. Oh wow! You're a I know. millionaire. Uh, Randy, yeah. what about you? What's your crypto? What's your crypto story? I mined Doge coins for a few months in like 2015. Do you still uh, no, I cashed oh. out like thirteen dollars. Yeah. <laughs> That's rough. It, Randy, that would have been worth like a hundred grand, wouldn't it? I don't know. What, 
currently is now. How many did you have? It wasn't two. He doesn't two seventy three or something like that. Patrick, he doesn't want to look. He doesn't want to look. I I have no idea now. Um, it was point oh oh two cents probably when you sold it. It was. It was. I don't remember at the point, but it was. I was mining on my own. Just my desktop PC. I kept the video card going, and my roommate was paying the uh, electricity bill at the time. He was on one of those standard standardized plans where it's higher in the summer to make up for lower in the winter, or whatever. So it was flat rate electricity. So nice. I was fine with the thirteen bucks or whatever I made out of it. No, no, he's he's in denial, Patrick. I can hear it because he knew he would be he'd have like at least a couple hundred grand right now. Um, I ha- I have been at like so, and then I created a, another one on on the Matic network, which works on Ethereum, which is a lot lower cost, called Tap. Uh, which is my name spelled backwards. Um, and that was a lot cheaper to do. So like I kind of learned like, oh, there's ways to do this more effectively and efficiently. The Matic network is like a layer two. So like if you think of like IT protocols, right? Like IP and, and what well, you got your network layer and your transport layer and your session layer and your application layer. Like the reality is, is like crypto is disrupting and creating brand new layers essentially uh of almost like the web stack um that are re- incredibly interesting that allow you to do a ton of unique stuff and cool stuff um and so i've, I've been in mo- getting more involved in some of the more advanced uh protocols and one of the tokens right now is called volatility it's volatility.com um but uh that essentially is going to be a platform for tr- tracking uh volatility indexes of crypto which is similar to what is called vix uh, if you've ever heard of that on the common stock exchange mm. and people essentially then can trade against this stuff. So it's like, it's pretty fascinating to see this, like this world of crypto developing into like what it is becoming. Um, well, safe moon, for example, got everyone in pissy because he's doing, he wants everyone to stay and not get in and get out. So he's charging 10% to get out. <laughs> and, uh, which he re, he keeps half and then redistributes half to the to the rest of the users. So everybody's like, uh, "That's kind of bullshit," uh, um, you know. So I get you know. I, so w- you- I would I would put that more on the scam side than you, you real utility. Uh, and to be honest, like I I bought like Dogelon as a joke, and it was kind of nuts. I bought a bunch of it as a joke, and then it went up, and it was worth a ton of money. And I was like, I'm gonna wait for it to go a little bit higher, and then it just crashed. Yeah, um, and it's kind of comical. The, because, the problem is, though, if you if you if you sold and then it went up ten x, you you'd hate yourself for the rest of your life. It's the it's the conundrum. Hey, you know? And I think people have to be okay more in this market of taking profits. <laughs> right, <laughs> uh, like that's the that's one of the challenges people have. Is it's like it's okay to take profits and not always win more. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, GameStop. As soon as I went to like two twenty, it was like sell. You know, it's not going, it's never going any higher. Get out. Uh, That stuff's wild. Yeah. Yeah. But Hey, uh, I can't thank you enough for the time spent. You're a, you're a blast to uh, spend time with. I sincerely appreciate it. Um, Best of luck to you. And obviously we'll talk to you soon, but Hey, we're going to wrap things up for episode four Oh five. You can find Patrick Garrity on LinkedIn, uh, blue mirror or anywhere. uh, Actually on LinkedIn, you're, you're half my feed. So if you, you know, subscribe to Patrick and, he will entertain the living shit out of you, which is a, which is a which is a compliment. But uh, yeah, we're gonna wrap things up on behalf of Bob and Randy. Do us all a favor: drink up your drinks, get your phone numbers. You don't gotta go home. You just gotta get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Patrick. Bye.